From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Tension in the Greens over the voice to Parliament has culminated this week in the abrupt defection of high-profile Senator Lydia Thorpe. Publicly, Greens leader Adam Bant is calling her resignation sad. Privately, other Greens members are reportedly calling it a catastrophe. As for Lydia Thorpe, the newly independent senator says her focus now will be on representing a grassroots black sovereign movement. And she hasn't said whether or not that means supporting a voice to parliament. Today, chief political correspondent at the Saturday paper, Karen Middleton, on what happened in the days leading up to the resignation and what it means for the government and the Greens. It's Thursday, February 9. Karen, Senator Lydia Thorpe has just resigned from the Greens, meaning that from now on she'll sit as an independent in the Senate. But before we get into the events that led up to that moment and unravel exactly what happened in the Greens this week, I'd like to go back. So how did Lydia Thorpe first win her place as a Green senator representing Victoria? And and how did her political career really begin? So Lydia Thorpe's 49. She turns 50 this year and she grew up in Housing Commission flats in the suburb of Collingwood in Melbourne. She went to school in the inner suburbs and then I think left school at around about 14. And her first job was working with one of her relatives at the Koori Information Centre in Fitzroy. And she's described that as being the place where she forged her political views, that it was a sort of a hive of activity of black politics. And she said from that point, she worked as a political activist and, and became passionate about fighting for the rights of her people. I stand before you today on the shoulders of my ancestors who fought and died for our country. Their resistance, their knowledge and strength over thousands of years has guided me to this moment and I carry their spirit with me in this chamber. She's been a strong member of the Black Sovereignty Movement. She's spoken out against what she says are colonial institutions. People like me were not meant to end up in places like this. Our voices were silenced, sidelined and written out of the story of our own country. But I never gave up believing that better days were possible. When she took her oath last year, she raised her fist in a Black Power salute. Well, please recite the affirmation on the card handed to you. And she added a word to the oath that she took I, Sovereign Lydia Thorpe, do solemnly and sincerely affirm and declare that I will be faithful and I bear true allegiance to the colonising Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Senator Thorpe. I'm going to wait for quiet. And that got her into trouble because under the rules of the parliament, you can't change the wording of the oath or you invalidate it. So she then had to take the oath again. So there have been some controversies around that. She hasn't been a quiet member of the parliament. She's been a very strong advocate and spoken her mind on a range of issues. Mm. And she was obviously seen as an important voice for the party, a strong voice on many issues, but there are also clearly early signs of tension. So I mean, at what point did you first get the sense that perhaps 
she was on a different page to some of the other members of the federal party when it came to to policy issues? Well, before she was even selected, really, because within the Victorian Greens, there was a division of opinion on whether or not Lydia Thorpe should be given that Senate seat in the first place because she was an outspoken and firebrand person and because she hadn't served as long in the Greens as some others, just like any other political party. There's a bit of a hierarchy. There's the understanding that you join the party, you do your time, and then you might have the opportunity for pre-selection. And so she sort of jumped the queue and that always angers people in the grassroots movement of a political party. So she was controversial from the moment she came in and she's continued to be that in the way she has tackled issues publicly. I mean, she had had a relationship with a bikey figure that hadn't been disclosed and that was a problem for the Greens. It attracted a lot of negative publicity. That relationship was alleged to have occurred in 2021 and involved rebels, outlaw, bikey gang leader Dean Martin. And now she had also served on a parliamentary committee that dealt with law enforcement and that deals with issues like outlaw, bikey gangs. So there was seen to have been a conflict of interest that hadn't been disclosed there. The upshot of that tension was she had to resign from the Greens deputy leadership, which she had been elected to after the May 2022 election. So there was a a penalty paid for her failure to disclose that and she acknowledged that she should have disclosed it differently. Okay, so she resigned as Deputy Greens leader as a result of that controversy. But I think the major policy issue has really been the voice to Parliament, hasn't it? That's where Thorpe's views have really diverged from the rest of the party. So can you talk me through the ways in which the Greens have really attempted to navigate that tension and to come to a position on the voice with Thorpe as their Indigenous Affairs spokesperson? Yes. Well, the Greens were very proud of having an Indigenous woman in the Senate and they appointed Lydia Thorpe as their Indigenous Affairs spokesperson, which is understandable given that at that time she was their only Indigenous member. And then as the voice became more part of public debate, it became clear that her position was perhaps more strident about having to have a treaty before the voice than some of her colleagues. Her Greens colleagues agreed that there should be advocacy for a treaty before a voice And these are elements of what was put forward in the Uluru Statement from the Heart back in 2017. But there was a particular order to things, voice, treaty, and then truth-telling. And she wanted things in a different order. And she was speaking out increasingly strongly about that. Now, former leader Adam Bant has said she was being allowed to speak her own mind and that they'd tried to find a compromised position that would keep her in the Greens. He said he had suggested to her that she could continue to hold that portfolio, that, in fact, she could speak out on the voice and sort of almost hive that part of the portfolio off so she could speak her own mind that that may not necessarily be the rest of the party's position on the voice but still represent Indigenous affairs for the party on other aspects uh, of that portfolio. From the outside, that seemed like a pretty cumbersome and maybe even potentially unworkable arrangement. You know, Lydia Thorpe has been up front with uh, our party room. Uh, you know, she's, she's explained her position. Lydia's put forward her position. Um, we as a party room are yet to discuss uh, and, and, and formalise our position in relation to the legislation that would establish a referendum. Uh, but we all come to it from a position of supporting the Uluru Statement and wanting to see that implemented in full. And the voice issue has come to the crunch now because... It's become much more prominent in public debate. We're now into the year where the referendum on the voice will be held. 
We've seen, particularly in the last month, uh, through Australia Day, which many advocates for Indigenous people call Invasion Day or Survival Day, the voice issue came up there. I sit in that parliament and every day they say that they are sovereign. The the colonial system and the colonisers say they are sovereign. Some of those who were concerned about the voice in the absence of a treaty were prominent, including her. And we deserve better than an advisory body. And so this issue's been debated much, much more, in a much more focused way in the last few weeks. And this has all come to a head. Parliament was resuming this week. The Greens didn't have a formal position and wanted to fix one, but it was something that was unresolved and was going to become a, a, a greater political focus. Mm. And so what do we know about how exactly the relationship broke down in the last couple of days? Because I understand the Greens, they went to a retreat last week. Lydia Thorpe, I think, was supposed to go but didn't go. And then it was a couple of days later that she made her announcement. So do we know anything about what exactly triggered the split now? Yes. So they had this retreat to try and resolve this. And the upshot of it was her resignation from the party. We don't know everything that went on there, but clearly they just couldn't reach an agreement. I've told Greens, Adam Bant and the Senate President that I am resigning from the Greens to sit on the Senate crossbench. And she subsequently decided this week that she would step away from the party altogether, retain her Senate seat and be able to speak her own mind. And she has said that she intends to be an advocate for the black sovereignty movement. This country has a strong grassroots black sovereign movement full of staunch and committed warriors. And she's an attractive figure to a lot of people who are inclined to her point of view. And I want to represent that movement fully in this parliament. So she sees herself as having a platform on her own and that's the platform she says she intends to use now. We'll be back in a moment. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Karen, on Monday, Lydia Thorpe called a press conference where she announced that she's resigning from the Greens. And in that press conference, she said she was going to focus on the black sovereignty movement. What did she say about what that meant in terms of the policies that she's going to back as an independent and, and how she might now wield her vote in the Senate? 
she made a short statement and she wouldn't take questions, but she said that she intended to be an advocate for the Black Sovereignty Movement, that that was her driving motivation and that she was no longer able to do that from within the Greens. Now I will be able to speak freely on all issues from a sovereign perspective without being constrained by portfolios and agreed party positions. She did also say that she would still support the Greens on climate change, that she would vote with the Greens on that issue. I will continue to vote with the Greens on climate, but I do not intend to comment further about my time in the Greens. She hasn't committed to doing that on other issues, so it's interesting that she singled that issue out. Whether that was part of some formal deal with the Greens, we don't know yet, but that's the suggestion that there's an arrangement to at least do that. Why she didn't want to commit further isn't clear and, and people tried to ask her that and she hasn't, hasn't answered that. Mm. And as you say, we don't know yet whether or not Lydia Thorpe will support voice to parliament. The Greens, though, without her, are supporting a voice. We don't yet know what the opposition is going to do. So where does this leave the government's plans for a referendum? Well, it's an interesting situation. It's possibly better for the Voice Yes campaign that they don't have differing views within the Greens, that now the Greens have immediately come out within 24 hours or less of Lydia Thorpe's resignation to confirm that they will endorse the campaign for Yes. So for the for the campaign for a Voice, that's probably a positive thing. For the Greens, it's very difficult, obviously. They've lost a Senate seat and they've lost a colleague. For Adam Bant, it's difficult. It no doubt puts some pressure on his leadership because he wasn't able to hold the party together and he'll be answerable to the wider Greens party and Greens voters for that. And it makes it difficult for the government too in every other respect in terms of other legislation and issues that it wants to legislate because while the Greens had 12 members in the Senate, it needed to get all the Greens and then one other vote to get legislation through in the Senate, and it frequently relied on Senator David Pocock, the independent from the ACT. But there are also others in the parliament who are often inclined to the government's position, like Tasmanian independent Jackie Lambie and her Tasmanian independent colleague, Tammy Tyrrell. So previously it was the Greens plus one, and now for the government it'll be the Greens plus two. So they can't just fall back on the Greens vote. They're going to have to get not only one other member on the crossbench, but two. And so that just makes their negotiations on every other piece of legislation a lot more complicated. Yeah, so this does make things more difficult for the Albanese government. And it also dilutes the Greens' power in the Senate. This was a very valuable Senate seat for them. So it's not hard to see how questions might now be asked of of Adam Bant and his leadership. He's gone from taking the Greens to their most successful election result ever to now losing one of their most high-profile politicians. So what are the repercussions likely to be for Bant? Well, I don't think we know yet what the implications are going to be. And to be fair to Adam Bant, there's a while till a federal election. So he's got time to recover from that. But it's not a good look when you lose a member of your party. And when you're a small party, as you say, that's just had such success it's particularly unfortunate to have this happen so soon afterwards, relatively speaking, less than a year after the election. But the Greens are still a powerful force in the parliament. He's got opportunity to recover from that. There's nobody suggesting, not publicly anyway, that his leadership is under any threat. So it really depends how he responds and recovers from here, how the Greens manage their position in the Senate, how they manage their advocacy for The Voice, 
moving forward and how they use the power that they have now both in the House of Reps with a couple of extra rep seats that they managed to win in Queensland and those 11 senators in the other chamber. Mm. But do you think that there will be questions asked about that process that led up to Lydia Thorpe's spot in the Senate and, and how the situation, I suppose, has been managed up until this point? I think there are certainly questions being asked within the wider Greens movement, certainly and particularly in Victoria, where she was a controversial choice anyway. There'll be people wanting answers from the Greens leadership on how it came to this and whether bad decisions were made initially or whether the right decisions were made, things weren't managed well, or whether it was just an inevitable parting of the ways because of the nature of the issue that this is in in relation to the voice and having an Indigenous member. There is obviously another Indigenous member in the Greens, Dorinda Cox from Western Australia. She is an advocate for the voice. She's expressed her own concerns and also her advocacy for a treaty, but she has decided along with the rest of the Greens that she will support the voice. So she has a different view than Lydia Thorpe. She may well end up as Indigenous Affairs spokeswoman for the Greens now. She's the only other Indigenous member and that seems a likely choice. Adam Bant will have that resolved by week's end. But I have no doubt that there'll be people in the wider Greens movement seeking more answers and more debate inside the party than they've received to date from these public statements that we're not going to talk about it. Karen, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ruby. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup made in collaboration with Fresco for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today... 380,000 people are displaced and seeking refuge in Turkey as the fallout from major earthquakes in the region continues. Four Australians have been reported missing and rescue efforts continue even within rebel-controlled areas of northern Syria, where volunteers continue to work without basic provisions and equipment. Rescue teams from around the world, including the US and China, are already arriving to assist with the search. And Bruce Lehrman has named journalists Lisa Wilkinson and Samantha Maiden in defamation lawsuits filed on Tuesday over their reporting of Brittany Higgins' allegations of rape. The lawsuit names stories filed for Network 10 and Newslife Media in 2021, which the lawsuit claims sought to exploit the allegations for personal gain. Brittany Higgins has indicated that she's willing to testify in the proceedings. Lehrman strenuously maintains his innocence. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.